0: Hey everybody! So field trip today, we talked in the last video that we would be kind of diving into licensing and this is that video. So we are on our way right now to check out a store that is doing something interesting with licensing for a little bit later in the video. But we're going to be diving into the background of licensing, how to get into it, some of the experiences we've had with it, and yeah, really try to serve as a cold intro for anybody who has not the slightest idea of how, you know, that whole business operates. Yeah. So we just wanted to give you a quick intro in the car i don't think we'll do too much of the video here because it seems to be a little bit bumpy, bumpy. <laughs> bumpy. that's I'm where sincere. we're
1: going we're going to City Walk. yeah
0: did i say that
1: i don't know you said we were going to a store a place a store maybe you did, maybe did you said say. a field trip you said i don't know but i said it again in case you didn't
0: anyways we'll see you there welcome back to the office we will jump back out to our field trip a little bit later in the video, but now let's go over the basics of licensing. So Janae, tell me if this sounds right to you. Okay. In short, licensing is when you want to use some kind of intellectual property, like a cartoon character or some kind of recognizable icon, Mm -hmm. and you want to put it on a product that you are making or a service sometimes. Mm-hmm, um that mm-hmm, you sell mm-hmm. so that it's not just a baseball cap it is a mickey baseball cap or mm-hmm. it is a pokemon baseball cap that would be a licensed good yes right that mm-hmm. sounds
1: about right and nice you did movie. say services which i guess that is true
0: yeah um, i've um oh gosh let me think you
1: can also there's yes. another like for example um well actually is this licensing or is this sponsorship because there's um Sometimes uh, like when Jurassic world was coming out and Mm -hmm. then you'd see a car commercial for like, I don't know what car it was, Jeep or something. Mm -hmm. And then it's a Jeep commercial, but then at the end of it, it's like, you see the dinosaur and then there's like the music and it's, there's no dinosaur on your Jeep.
0: So usually the the licensing team in a scenario like that would work with a promotions team. And on mm. the promotion side, that is not necessarily a, a straight license but you're kind of agreeing to promote something in the short term together because it's
1: like a because then they'll usually be like buy a jeep and go see jurassic world exactly. Dominion and, theaters and, and, and blah, blah, universal
0: so. might be working with jeep and licensing and working with them elsewhere like maybe there's a um power wheels that is a jeep but it's a jurassic park jeep so there's the relationship there and the yeah. promotions team is trying to leverage as many existing mm-hmm. kind of uh, contacts that they have for the promotion of the new So movie. it's like
1: close, but not quite. So we're, yeah, tr- we're trying to talk strictly about licensing
0: in, for people for that, that, that want to get into much. it. And they, they, they have a new company or they have a company that's selling online. And they thought, hey, what if Mickey Mouse was on our blank yeah. What does that look like? So and, this,
1: and it also, I mean, we immediately think of cartoon characters for some reason, uh, <laughs> but it can also go for, like, um, you know, uh, something that says Dunder Mifflin on it, right? Sure,
0: um, or even um, magazines. Uh, I've had conversations oh, with magazines. people that own the rights to Rolling Stone magazine. So you could have a, let's say you make guitars, and, mm-hmm. and you're just a, a new guitar manufacturer, and they're edgy, and they're alternative and they're for rock and roll yeah. you could go and get a license for rolling stone magazine and come out with a rolling stone edition uh rolling stone magazine yeah <laughs> edition. Um, but if you wanted
1: the band that would also be a license so the band could,
0: yeah there's the, a they that they would have a license the so to the band. when
1: you see the shirts in target that are made by target and they have a the big uh, mouth on it you mm-hmm. know that was licensed and rolling yeah. stone the band the management Stones, of the band they got, make
0: they got, they got money off of it. So, so
1: these are all examples, right? Um yeah. Yes. And, or people as well. Human beings, famous people.
0: Yes, if they're alive, generally they have management that is handling their kind of rights. And then if they have passed away, uh, like when you want to do something with a famous celebrity that's passed away, there's normally an estate. Um, the estate might work with a management company to manage the rights. Sometimes it's the estate directly that you deal with. But in that case, it's instead of the actual celebrity kind of looking at the opportunity and their people saying yes or no, um, it's treated more kind of like a um, like a cartoon or something because you're kind of remembering that actor or actress. Yeah. So for Marilyn, her face would be licensing her likeness and yeah. her signature Oh. That was also part of the collection was her intellectual property. Yes. So the state owned the intellectual property and her likeness. When you get into likeness um, of celebrities, generally, there is also the person uh, that took that photo. And the person that took that photo has rights to that mm. photograph. So uh, I know with Marilyn, there Lots was famous two photographers, big, big photographers that that had like, famously shot Marilyn, and those had agreements with the people that owned her likeness and any intellectual property attached with her. So they had those, uh, we'll go into it in a little bit, but they had those photos kind of cleared already in their uh, lookbook, so that if you wanted to use a photograph with promoting the product or putting it on a type of product, uh, those were the ones that were cleared. And if you wanted to go and venture out and find some another photo, you could, but, you kind of had half that photo cleared you had the maryland part what was in the photograph now you just needed to find who cleared the photograph likeness that's kind of a whole different ball game and we're going to be talking just about licensing about kind of static intellectual property like cartoon characters or logos um, like you know, roll, like magazines, like Rolling Stone, um, or the you know, M Ms, the M Ms, uh, like the, the name
1: M the little M uh, guys, like that, yeah. like
0: the airline that's no longer oh, around. But there's a management company that owns all of the uh, logos and types of um, things that you would associate with Pan Am to kind of make a jet set collection. So, um, without further ado, we will dive in. <laughs> Why is licensing? So Janae, let's why talk why, is why is licensing? <laughs> let's talk about why you might want to license and the benefits of the light for the licensee, the person that wants to put the character on their stuff, and the licensor, the person that has the characters that want it to be put on stuff. Right. So
1: yeah, right off the bat, I feel like if I um if I'm starting out I'm a manure company, maybe I've been around five years and I'm seeing some good growth, but not quite as much growth as I want. I might want the um, visibility and the built-in audience of a license. So, so I might seek out, you know, if I if I make socks and my socks have all been my own creative um, artwork on them. Mm-hmm. And I realize, oh, my customers really like the Muppets. So now I'm going to reach out to Disney and slash Jim Henson and mm-hmm. say, can i get the license for kermit and miss piggy so i can have kermit socks and miss piggy socks this is a great idea i just came up with
0: and that's now i want those
1: socks but anyway (laughs) (laughs) um and then it's great because then people who seek out stuff because they collect muppet things they love kermit they love miss piggy they you know they see this and they go oh those are cute socks i want these socks and then they learn about my sock company Because of that, and maybe they'll sign up for my email list and get other socks that I make, and who knows? So this is a great way for growth. So that's one of the
0: best, one of the best, I'd say, like defenses uh, for licensing is as a customer acquisition tool, because there's a built-in audience that's very devout to the to the intellectual property, like the Muppets, and it's pretty easy to find, you know, demographics on who is engaging with those IPs. And if you, as a brand, are wanting a larger market share of that demo, whatever it may be, a great way, in addition to other types of you know ways of gaining customers, um, also just like personally, I think it's fun uh, to do that to like incorporate your brand like identity with some other kind of um, IP. But if your customers are Muppets, you could essentially build an entire campaign that's going to leverage this new collection going out to these people that already know what the Muppets are, that don't know what your brand is, to act as a customer acquisition tool to kind of bridge them over to your brand. Um, I'd say uh, that would be number one on the list that's gonna appear right here of the reasons to give it a shot, is the customer acquisition. Uh, Reason two, or maybe 1A, but reason two is credibility. Um, If you're a smaller brand and you are just starting out, maybe you're that sock company and your socks are better than every other sock, but it is really a bear to try to get anybody to try them, to switch, to understand why they cost a little bit more. There's just been a lot of barriers in the process of getting your customer base educated to why your solution is better, this can be a great way to bridge that because they might not know you, but they know the Muppets. And if they wear the socks and they put them on, and that's really from your research the the, the tipping point, when somebody puts them on and they wear them, they go, wow, these changed my life. But getting the customer to that point where they're putting it on has been such the battle. Mm. Um, it's kind of like with new tech where they're like, well, once you try it, and you put it on and all this. And it's like you realize the value. Yeah, but le- getting people up to that point is quite a lift. So once they put them on, they got it because it said Muppets. But now they're like, geez, these are the most comfortable socks I've ever used. And then you hit them. Yeah. My
1: socks are the best.
0: <laughs> and then you follow up with them and you go, aren't you loving these Muppet socks? Did you see we make, you know, X, Y, and Z? And boom, you might have moved them over um, to being now a customer of your brand. So uh, on two that. I would just say like
1: credibility, credibility. but credibility let me tag on is. to that yes. because also if I if my sock company serves you an ad um, you're browsing on Instagram and you come across an ad and it just has socks and a sock company you've never heard of you're probably going to scroll right by because you're like I don't know Another what this is company. and you're like I don't know if this is legit I don't mm. know where they come from why do they cost this I don't know I've mm. never heard of it moving on but if you see that somebody like the Muppets have chosen my company to partner with, suddenly, oh, I guess they are a legit company. This even is if a, that's this is not more a legit.
0: conscious thought. Well, even you if, know like,
1: that the Muppets don't just go out giving their license to just anybody. Well, but
0: even if you're not somebody that's in that space or, or can make that succinct of a comment on it, the, the fact that you have something that you do know and trust. Mm paired with something that is new to you is kind of sharing that trust. It's that, I think that that goes back to that credibility point Yeah. Um, because you do just, I, it's, it's the unknown versus the unknown. I know the Muppets Mm -hmm. and I don't know this brand, but I want to, but if
1: they have a license, then I guess they're a legit company.
0: Yeah. So that would be, um, I'd say that's two. Three for me is, so let me think of the most clear way to say this. It would be if you're in a highly commoditized market, uh, similar to the credibility, but if uh, I would say it's leaning on the customer's affinity for that IP and helping make a decision when, some, when two decisions are almost similar in a highly commoditized field. The best example is if you have Ziploc bags and then another Ziploc bag next to it, And you'd, like, you have the Star Wars phone case, you have Star Wars wallet, you got Star Wars stickers on your car, if (coughs) there's, like, store brand Ziploc bag and it's a dollar, and then there's Star Wars Ziploc bag and it's two dollars, and you're like, oh, for that extra dollar. It's also funny that you said
1: store brand Ziploc, because Ziploc is, like, one of those company names Uh, that we use interchangeably with the product itself, itself, like Band-Aid or or whatever. Yeah, but it's a zippy zippy closure bag. Zippy closure
0: bag. But if you had to make, or not even that it's a dollar or two dollars, because you might make it on the basis of that decision based on price. Let's say they were both a dollar. You might go, well, I like Star Wars. And, And in that moment, the two very similar if not identical you know decisions um were made you know unsimilar by the fact that you have one with the star wars character or or ip that you resonate with and want to um and this
1: definitely works because when we go grocery shopping with our toddler and we go to buy yogurt and we reach for the regular yogurt and then she says princess yogurt Yogurt. and we're buying the princess Princess yogurt yogurt. like she wants it's the same product but one has princesses on it and that's clearly what she'd rather have and she feels like it's different
0: even though it's just
1: yogurt with a princess on the container and i think
0: it's more knee-jerk at that age absolutely i don't know that yogurt i know princess princess good yogurt good that i think is still the same process in a certain (laughs) way when we talk about credibility yeah but it's in her mind it's like yogurt is all yogurt but that one is princess yogurt so that one is better and that one in that sense when you have and you're not going to
1: rationalize with your three-year-old well honey this is just a licensing deal that they did and really the same value of the regular danimals yogurt you know
0: what i will say (laughs) i think a better way to say it is like adding uh Adding differentiation to highly commoditized products, I think, is a better way to say it. Because, again, two identical products, but one has SpongeBob on it. You're going to get people that have this, like, heart tug and need to buy one over the other. Yeah. So the fourth reason, in my mind, and I'd say the most abstract one, is that if you were trying to come out with something that was a little bit more high concept... A license would be a great way to ground that concept into something that is a lot more familiar to the general public. Hmm. So let's say let's jump off of Maryland again. Let's say we were going for this like new hotel concept or this new oh I got one better this new airline concept. So airline. it's a new airline. It's basically like flying in the 1960s the whole plane is first class there's like a lounge and it looks like you gotta like step back in time Can you smoke on but a plane? little bit is modern I don't even smoke I don't want to make this <laughs> uh, um but let's say you have this and the whole idea is that you're saying that this plane if you're ju- if you're traveling on it it is old school it is like ritzy you're either doing it because you're like a bougie business person or you're on a, a celebratory trip, and you want the mm-hmm. celebration to start at the flight, and you know what I mean? Like it's
1: experiential. A, so it's a lot more. This is a great idea, and it's for you, whoever you are out there who has ties to the airline industry. Just yeah. Take take it and run. This idea Give us is for a shout Ryan out, goes, man. <laughs> he doesn't have any airline.
0: No, ties. but it's like another on the list of ideas. too. Yeah, well. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh so you have this concept, right? And maybe. This is just something that, you know, we get it and we're saying it and we're like, Oh yeah, in a in a pitch room when I'm talking or to a customer and I have five minutes to tell them, remember the, you know, pan Am and all the, and they get it. Yeah. But if somebody's booking a flight and all they see is like your logo or something and another logo and it's like, okay, three hundred dollars for this seat or two grand for this seat, no, I'm not picking that. At that point, all of the whatever we just talked about doesn't matter in that moment you probably wouldn't
1: even show up in their search results probably wouldn't even show
0: up but let's say at the launch of the brand you partnered with the like the estate that uh, for all the members of like the rap pack for the estate of Marilyn Monroe for the estate of Audrey Hepburn for the estate of all of these like 50 60s big celebrities and you did a whole ad campaign that was talking about like the way that they live larger than life and like you're living like they live or you have something where you're connecting like the excess of that outward celebrity of that time to the airline and in a way to some people and by doing that you help bridge the gap to people that know any of those old celebrities or kind of the old vegas old hollywood kind of understand the glamour that that was even if again they're not able to succinctly uh explain how they know that or why they know what that means but you say okay remember that and then the airline and then the airline is this so you've helped bridge that i'm just
1: like i'm already i i can see the ad in my mind and it's using (laughs) Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly And see,
0: people are like, oh, I see it. Oh, I see
1: and, it. I see it. I want to do marketing for this non existent airline.
0: So, you're, that, you're
1: pitching a great idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, that is a way that licensing could help bridge a creative gap because anybody that might know A, B, and C, or if you did it, uh, you know, go not 180 degrees, but a whole different direction. It's an airline, but it's a kid focused airline. So the whole airline, the whole plane, there's no first or coach or anything. Everything is meant for kids. So there's like a play area. There's like changing tables. The seats can fold down flat for naps with little side rails. We need that too. Like it's, if you have kids, you're going on this airline. And a great way would be to, to, to help sell that would be to license with Um, intellectual property that is consumed by parents that have those kids or by kids that are still kind of in that range and maybe the parents are also watching that content like on Disney Channel or something like that and sell this idea that this is a place for kids because of the IP that I already know. That one I get you know I think maybe on the parent front as I say it they might already be more open to learning about new things for kids because as a parent you're always like searching things out but so maybe would, that's not the best you idea would but, want but as but a you... parent
1: is you'd want to immediately feel a sense of safety and trust so using characters maybe like sesame street that already have like this mm-hmm. brand of trust and safety and like being like on the side of the plane is big bird and it's, it's like inside you, they have it's like the shows on the tv that
0: bridge a lot shorter because they might know whatever IP, and then you're saying, take that sentiment and apply it to, to your brand, which I think kind of fits into all of the categories is like applying sentiment over yeah. uh, and the different ways that that kind of translates into a purchase or a customer feeling really towards yeah. your core product. So um, those to me were the four yeah, uh, of why we license. Do you think that would kind of wrap it I up? I do,
1: and I really like that okay. last point because it's more than just customer acquisition or like brand awareness. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like helping like you said to really apply sentiment or to um help them just go, "Oh, I get it now." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I I think like the '60s idea, you see it without anything, and you're like, I think I get this. But then they add in, you know, these these char- these characters, these people, these personalities, mm-hmm. and you you know what they're about, and you're like, oh, now I I totally get it. You get, get the
0: it. vibe. You get the vibe yes. really quick. It yes. Yeah. So it
1: communicates things quicker, applies sentiment and values quicker.
0: Yeah. I think that wraps it up for this section. What do you think?
1: Yep. On to the next.
0: Let's talk about the nitty-gritty now. So you're a sock company and you have found that you want to work with the Muppets. And now, what are all of the things that happen between the idea and getting it onto the shelf? So there are a lot of in-between steps. I don't think all of them are necessary. So we're just gonna stick to the ones that I feel like day in and day out are the key ones you need to be looking out for and thinking about. So I'm going to just turn my body this way a little bit so that I have a little bit of room right here to put some stuff on the screen. Yeah. Okay. So first we are going to talk about minimum guarantee. Minimum guarantee to the IP holder is the minimum amount of money that they will be getting off of this deal. Generally, the minimum guarantee is paid when you sign the contract. It is not paid when the goods go on sale. That can sometimes be tough for smaller people because you know, if you don't have a lot of working capital or cash flow is tight, you're going to want to be putting that money into your R and D or into the actual manufacturing of the product. So minimum guarantees can be tough. I will tell you minimum guarantees are generally negotiable, not only in the amount, But also in when they are due so for example if this deal with the muppets was for i don't know hundred thousand dollars the minimum guarantee being a hundred thousand dollars would generally be due at signing but what i have seen done before is that people have taken a percentage of that and put that as kind of like a down payment at signing and then they move the balance payment to when the actual product is starting to sell, which for smaller brands can be very helpful because you can use that money that was going towards the minimum guarantee to fund R&D, to go into the actual product, uh, and then pay the rest of the guarantee off of the sales of that collection. That is not the norm. That is just what I've seen negotiated and what I've been able to negotiate in the past. Royalty rate, royalty rate is Anything, Mm. so this is where it gets a little bit. The minimum guarantee has a certain royalty rate associated with it, which says that if I'm thinking I'm going to make, let's say I'm going to sell these socks and I plan on making a million dollars from them. Wow. Wow. These are great socks. These are great socks.
1: Everybody loves my Muppet socks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're going to make a million dollars from them. The royalty rate on that collection between you and the Muppets is 8%. Let's see.
1: Why don't you explain what a royalty is?
0: So, royalty is essentially a small payment that is going to the people that own the IP every time you make a sale. Generally, it's kind of accrued um, and then you pay that out kind of quarterly. uh, Monthly or quarterly? I've seen it both ways. Yeah. So, essentially, there is 8% of the total sales uh, is due towards the Muppets against the minimum guarantee. So that's kind of where they kind of work in tandem. So let's say I make, you know, make, I'm going, I'm on my way to selling all of those socks to make a million dollars. Um, once I pay them the $100,000 of the minimum guarantee, $100,000 worth of 8% royalty I don't pay any royalty on because I've paid that in the form of the minimum guarantee. But once I cross that threshold, any further sales are going to be eight percent. Are going to, to be eight percent. Yeah. So, I guess a better example was let's say the royalty rate is ten percent on a million dollars, which would be a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Yes.
1: I was gonna say, why are we working with eight percent? Because I was, I can't do like, the math the my head gen- on
0: that. <laughs> Sorry, generally, like the royalty rates for for the stuff I've worked on is floats between like seven to nine percent. That's why. So let's just say it's ten percent. Okay. For this example, ten uh, percent. You're 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 telling them, hey, I'm gonna make a million dollars. So they're great. Ten percent, a hundred k. So if you sold exactly a million dollars, you wouldn't have to pay anything, but uh, because you paid that hundred thousand. Uh, either at the start, or if you negotiated it shortly after the product goes on sale. Mm-hmm. But let's say you had you made more inventory and you sold $2 dollars. Million. Million. So the the next so the basically in quarterly or monthly payments, you'd be giving them ten percent of that that uh, of those sales until the product is yeah, done like selling twenty
1: five grand twenty five grand exactly, whatever or, yeah whatever
0: the cadence is. This is where good accounting comes in because somebody needs to calculate this on your side and then report it to the licensor. And if they think that anything is fishy, they can always claim an audit because usually in the contracts, there is essentially like carte blanche to uh, run audits if they feel like you underreported or didn't um, file Ooh, what you needed to. So that's, spicy. Yeah. Um, can but- I ask you a question? Yes.
1: Um. So... I'm making $2 million off of my lovely Muppet socks and I'm happy. And Jim Henson company's happy. Everybody's happy. Um, Can I sell these socks forever? Can I just always be the Muppet sock people?
0: So yes, if you put that in your contract.
1: Mm. So
0: a lot of times the contract will have a term date one year, two years. Um, Depends if they want to have this be kind of an ongoing relationship. Think again of like, Ziploc bags. Um, They didn't just do a one-off collection. They consistently have whatever Disney or Marvel or you know whatever characters on those products so they kind of have a rotating um, assortment. They have an ongoing. They might have like a contract that's maybe five years and then they kind of renew it or maybe it's a year and they renew it. Don't know what the back end looks like on that but it's an ongoing um, type of uh, partnership. Then you could have one-off collections like we've done uh at Besame where it's you know limited edition very kind of um streetwear inspired where you kind of say hey we collaborated on this one thing this is what it looks like this is kind of the fruit of our labor and when it's out it's out and then you kind of move on to the next thing there's kind of two different ways to look at that what's tough about the ongoing is that you need to be in a space or rotating around ip to the point where you're not fatiguing your customers one of the great upsides of mm -hmm. having we're kind of splitting off a little more in the strategy here but one of the great upsides of just kind of doing a one and done is that you really get to put 100 percent into that one expression of your brand and the ip but you don't run the risk of customer fatigue because that is hot and new and it's now and then in a couple months it might not be hot and new and now. Um, but if you don't operate in hot and new and now and you operate in you know seasonality where you know Muppet socks are good for Christmas every year, every year because there's always some new people that want to gift them. or at you know Muppet celebration, uh, where a big convention every year you go with those socks. and there's really some good beats that are not going to fatigue your, um, your customers then you can have an ongoing. I personally like the one and done. I think it lets you have a lot of fun and really go to ten with it because mm-hmm. you know that it's just gonna be there for a short amount of time. And when you do something for the long term, you really kinda have to think of the long term and you can't really go for anything too much of a that creates too much of a spike because then you have the other end of the spike that goes down and you need to continue the contract. Well for I think a couple that years.
1: those those ongoing um, licensing deals work best and we see it most. For obvious reasons, I think with companies that are gigantic, so they can create product just flipping on a dime because they have the infrastructure, but also blank slate products. So like Ziploc bags, they put, you can put any artwork on that and they can get it to all the stores, lickety split, right? When a new movie, you know, they've got the infrastructure or Otterbox phone cases. They can have licenses from anybody because their phone cases are just, it's just a case. You just slap the artwork on it, bing bing bong boom i don 't yeah. know what i 'm saying, but anyway it's e- they 've got their these huge companies, their product is something very simple that the any artwork that 's going to just be hot can just right on top of it it 's great, so that but in terms of other companies where they don 't operate like that, like maybe i 'm you know my sock company is only five years in i 've probably just got one little facility that's making my socks. But hey, if my Muppet socks are making me $2 million, I think I'm going to be able to expand. So that's exciting. But I also think it's possible that the Muppets might say, hey, you can have um, this license for six months or a year. year. Usually it's a year. year." Um, And then after that year, you know, you can try to get it again, but there's no you know, maybe another sock company is going to catch on and be like, that was a good idea. We're going to get that license now. And then you have to pick something else. Um, but like, let's say you come up on that year point, And even though I sold 2 million, maybe I still have inventory and I'm at 11 months. What am I supposed to do with that inventory? Because uh, usually if the 12 months at the months end pass, of a contract, you uh-huh. have a sell-off window. Sell-off window. So okay. Sell-off
0: window is another term. It's essentially, if your contract is for 12 months, if it's, let's say, January 1st to, like, December 31st, uh, from January 1st of that next year, you would have 90 days to liquidate, get rid of, because after that sell-off period, you are not legally authorized to sell that licensed product anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, it's, yeah, sell-off window is the term we're going to be looking for there. So if um, you
1: see licensed goods on sale, that they're probably in their sell-off window. And that that's probably, once it's gone, it's gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Most likely. Most likely. Speaking of IP, IP on phone cases, like Janae had just said, style guides. Style guides is another term. Style guide is going to be the book of approved assets for a specific character. So let's say I signed my deal with uh, the Muppets for my Muppet socks, and
1: they're my muppet socks <laughs> and,
0: and and you go great um how do i put the muppets on my socks do i just google muppets and write save the save downloads and, and then put that on a sock no they have a you know they have I'm a,
1: imagining that on a yeah. sock it's pretty funny uh
0: they have a whole like book essentially uh digital one of assets that have been cleared so those They've been generated, legal has cleared them. Everybody's taken their look and given their two cents to make sure those are the most correct uh, expressions and interpretations of the Muppets. So if you use any of those and you put them on a sock, nine times out of 10, nobody at Muppets is gonna have an issue with them. Now, what you can do also is that you can go kind of off the style guide because the flip side of the style guide is that they give you the book with all of the assets, but they give everybody that book. So your socks, let's say you sell socks and they're premium. They're like the, they're in the premium category they are. is what they'd be considered. My socks are the best. So you have you have exclusivity with your contract in the premium sock category. They can't say, oh, another premium sock vendor, but they can go to another. They can go to mass market socks, Hanes can go and get a Muppet license at the same time time, because they're in a different category category. Mm. so you're selling your $30 Muppet socks with an approved image of Kermit Haynes is selling $8 socks with the same approved image of Kermit Uh now everything we just talked about as far as like differentiating yourself and all of that sentiment moving over that changes when now I have a $30 pair of socks and an $8 pair of socks and they both have the same artwork on them. So if you're just buying for the artwork... You've now leveled uh, the playing field the value. between, like, in this smaller pool of people that are using that artwork. Now, Pains. <laughs> now Muppets, <laughs> Muppet Studios and Disney, they got their minimum guarantee that they're contractually um, assured of. So it's on you to sell it, even though they've gone and doled this out to a bunch of other people. I like going off, not off the style guide, like going off style guide or kind of off book. Because if you can find, let's say you're doing Muppet Socks. If you can say... We're uh, doing Muppet Muppet Socks. Socks. Let's (laughs) say there was a version of the Muppet Socks that came out when the first Muppet movie came out. And it was like a promotional something. And at that time, it was so early, nobody had a style guide. So it was kind of a one-off artist expression of it. And you can find that art. You you make it, you submit it to Disney. Disney runs through their legal and says, okay, this wasn't in the style guide, but there's no reason that it um bumps up against anything else. It can it's it's good, it can represent Kermit the Frog. So you went through that hassle and you got it approved. Now your $30 socks and the $8 socks do not look the same, even though they both have Muppet IP on them, and then you can Talk to the quality of your socks, the value, the specialness. And then in that, the Muppets itself are different and look more unique than the ones that you find on the $8 socks. So within the category of people that have the Muppets, you are now differentiating yourself from that smaller pool. So you have like anybody that makes socks, people that do the Muppet socks. And now I'm like, I'm specialty within the specialty area because there can be this flooding and over fatigue of of ip in a category like beauty is a great one like ColourPop coming out with a palette every week and you look at the comments and you know people still do buy so it must still be oh, making yeah. the numbers oh yeah but the sentiment is uh, growing sentiment is like they're just flooding the market they're like i didn't even use the last palette that i bought last week and now i'm buying mm-hmm. another one mm-hmm. and it, like another and another and another so to help with that between like different brands It helps to find out your niche carve out your niche and find out how your brand is interpreting the IP and what a lot of brands are not doing is that they're not taking the time to say well Muppets is this it represents this and our brand represents this so how does the coming together of the two create this new unique expression that is half me and half the license not I'm a blank slate and I'm putting it on. I'm putting the style Watch. right up. Yeah, label, label slap, slap is what they call it. Because um, <laughs> everybody could do that. You yeah. know, you do socks and then somebody else does socks and they do water bottles and do phone cases and you got the same cream with the frog face everywhere. And then the and next look, year... I,
1: when you start looking for this, you will notice. Because like is this like elsa and anna pose from frozen 2 mm-hmm. that is literally the same exact artwork pose everywhere. it's on kids pajamas it's on toy packaging it's on um, makeup palettes it's on ziploc bags it it's like literally the same and if you think you probably are already picturing it because you have seen it everywhere because they all got it in the style guide mm-hmm. and they went that one looks
0: good so yes yeah anyway Uh, anyways um (laughs) one final note or one final thing to add um this one is kind of super technical it's recall plan uh you'll notice the there was a story that came out just recently of this vendor making clothes um with mickey minnie i think star wars uh in like tj Maxx, ross Ross, and marshall's uh right now i'll throw it up on the screen but they had too much lead in the paint and then they had to recall it. So something that any license or is going to ask you for is, Hey, we're just giving you the cartoon. If you make it and let's say something goes South, how are you going to make sure that you address that and take care of it? Because our logo, our IP is on your product that is getting recalled. And if you mess up, it's going to look like we messed up because perception is reality. A lot of times with these things. And if, it's mickey's face but so-and-so vendor made it people don't go well how dare you so-and-so it's how dare you disney so having a recall plan in place um even just for yourself but they're gonna ask for it spelled out in writing and they're gonna ask
1: for names and phone numbers so just make make sure you have that
0: because that sometimes can be uh kind of a hiccup to getting things finalized is having that ready to go and ready, it's ready to, enough that it's being able to be spelled out into a you know paperwork and then handed over and to And hopefully
1: them. it won't even be necessary. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of a scary thing, but like most times I would say things don't really get recalled all that often, but obviously to, you know, save themselves here, they
0: need to know that but, the but, plan is in place. But even if something is not gonna go wrong, they need to have that paperwork before that, yes. your license moves forward, right. more on the just the, the due diligence side, it won't move forward if you don't have that. Um, so I think we're done with the mechanics. If you have any questions, if we left anything out, I'm trying to go off what I've experienced in my working kind of knowledge and what are the big points that keep coming up. Um, I know that there are things that I left off. If there's anything that doesn't make sense, you want an explainer on, leave it in the comments. I'd love to do a live or a follow up video, or we'll get back to you and reply in like shorts. Yeah. I want to address any kind of questions there. Cause I know this was just a brief, brief overview of kind of some of the top level stuff. Next, we're going to look at some examples of licensing. Uh, what I would think good, bad, and then lazy. I think that's the worst kind. Mm. Um, and then we'll finish up with our field trip over to Universal. Our field trip, uh, to give you a little bit more context on the kind of background side, Generally you have the brand that is licensing a product and then they're kind of a new iteration, Haynes t-shirt with Mickey Mouse on it. And then you also have stuff that the company itself produces, like t-shirts you see at Disneyland with Mickey Mouse on it, and no brand is on the label because Disney, Disney Disney manufactured yeah. it. What Universal is doing, which is interesting, is that they've kind of walked down a third path which is we're gonna be the manufacturer. We are taking on that operational load and responsibility, but we are going to be working with artists and getting their interpretation of the IP. And they might not have the infrastructure to support a license collection and all of that backend like a brand might, but we are losing out on this new art, this new version of our intellectual property because they are not set up in that way and we are going to commission them to make it, and then we will manufacture it, and then it will look very different from what you might consider traditional None of like that's
1: in the style guide.
0: Theme yeah. park, merch, or kind of, yeah, stuff that would normally be in the style guide. Nobody really is doing this right now, and right now it's in, it's like a pilot program. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great way to bring new and unique art out there. Yes. And anyways, moving on. Mm-hmm i think we put most licensing into three categories exceptional okay and lazy um i don't think anything bad really can make the cut when it's actually getting approved through so many people the, I it's think, rare i it's, think we've
1: seen examples of bad licensing but it's rare. like really bad what, but it's what rare. what
0: makes it through more times than not is lazy <laughs> so an example of exceptional licensing, I'm a little biased, but I like to point to the Besame Marilyn Monroe collection that we did. I think when licensing is truly exceptional, the DNA and identity of the IP and of the company come together to form kind of a new permutation that is a little bit of both. And you look at that final item and it's not 100% one thing or 100% another, mm-hmm. it really feels like exactly those two identities coming together. And that's, you know, peak licensing is when you can make something like that uh, come to market. A few examples I'd like to point to on the Marilyn collection on what made it so different is the lipstick. If you look at the lipstick compared to the one that was in line uh, at Besame, it is different, it's not the same lipstick case, so we made a special one just for that run. And it looked like one that she originally had owned because when we look back at what her essence, what her vibe, if you will, was, was something very glamorous. So having something that was too on the nose, even for something in her time would have been a no-go, like having her face on it. And for Besame, Going in and doing the research on that time period or that person and really finding out why they became the way that they were, what what made them so special and trying to pull that down into a cosmetic product led us to something that was this recreation of this original piece that she had, even down to the inside of the tube. Uh, on the original had uh, writing on it that told you how to apply it. And we used that space and typeface for the copyright that needed to go on it. So it was something that if you had put it just in the Bessemer category, it wouldn't have looked right. And if you put it just in the Maryland, it would have looked a little bit off from something to say like a replica or to say like a original piece that she owned, but it was the happy marriage of the two so yeah. that it felt uniquely Marilyn and Bessemer at the same time. Um, an example of just okay licensing, good licensing, what you mostly see, of, is something that feels like one brand that wanted to use IP basically grabbed it and it was a very one-sided kind of conversation and then something got put out that is varied by the books, but it, it works. Um, a great one that I will point to is the new Puma collection with Pokemon that just came out. Um, if you look... They got the little clip of the Pokemon that is supposed to go with the shoe. We just talked about how we didn't put the face because if that's such a shortcut. And to me, that that's very one-sided. That's like a Puma, you but know. But that's okay. I it's mean, okay. It's, it,
1: they're cool it's shoes. Fine. And if you like Puma and you want, you know, the color scheme of Charmander. Sure. That's fun and it's cute and it's cool. But it's, it also has little Charmander on it. So I don't know if everybody wants that yeah but
0: but like imagine if you took that charm off it really wouldn't you could just tell me this was a new line from puma and i'd be like oh i wouldn't go oh but they're all pokemon themed that wouldn't jump (laughs) out to me sure so to me that's that's more it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine uh and now we get into lazy
1: but what we mean by that is that they pick the shortest distance between getting the license and putting it on the shelf, which was take it out of the style guide, slap it on a product and put it on the shelf. And even though lazy, again, is a very charged term, um, do we have like a ton of um, admiration for these products? No, not really. But do we think that they're bad products? No, because honestly, there is demand for them and it sells and people buy this stuff. So like, it's fine. It's fine. There are people who will see it and love it. That's great. Um, Just coming from a creative standpoint, you know, it's not very inspired, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that it's a bad product because on the contrary, some of the big brands out there and big retailers are doing what we're referring to as the lazy licensing and it's working fine for them. It's just for a different consumer in a different segment um, and it works for some things and for some other things it probably wouldn't work, but... Yeah, so um, to kind of illustrate that point, what I did was um, I went to Walmart, and I needed to pick up some things anyway, so I walked around Walmart in search of licenses, and um, since we had that great example about socks, um, I decided to Mm. look at socks a lot. I looked at other things too, but I was like, I am going to look at socks, see if I find any Muppet socks, Um, but anyway, so let's take a look okay so we've got a bunch of socks here we see tiana we see mtv schicks creek Creek, um uh, ursula maleficent looney tunes some mickey artwork if if you just took the artwork off the sock and then put a different artwork on it like doesn't make a difference it doesn't make a difference this is all the same product and it can have anything on it so it just it's a little bit lazy right it doesn't have to be more than what it is Okay so here I looked at backpacks. We've got a little baby Yoda one and then this is a Disney backpack okay. and I did not get the name of the manufacturer on this but I, as you can see it is the exact same artwork two times on one backpack on the top and on the bottom. They To me that was pretty lazy. Here we have this is um, these are pillowcases by Mainstays which I believe is the um, Walmart brand and each one is the exact same. (laughs) Okay, so we mentioned the princess yogurt. Look at all these yogurts. We got Frozen. We got Baby Yoda. We got Spidey. We got Spongebob. Unicorn, that's not licensed probably. Minions. Oh my gosh, and this is so funny to me. Frozen again. Like, the thing with this is Oh, there's Paw Patrol, there's Prin- and that's the Princess Yogurt our, our daughter really likes. Um, the thing with this is, this is a classic example of label slapping. Because if you take the label off, it does not change the product. It is still yogurt. Now here, this pr- this brand is for baby food. It's called Earth's Best. And on all of their products, I believe, mm. they put the license for Sesame Street. And they're like an organic company, and I wonder if this is one of those examples with brand awareness that we were talking about. Our competitor is Gerber, which has like so much recognizability, right? So if they're competing with products like Gerber Baby, um, and they were at some point lesser known, um, and I would still say they are earth's best, you don't really hear about that brand, then using that trusted license of Sesame Street helps you feel like, oh, okay, they're legitimate versus just a plain bag with no character on it at all that just says Earth's Best and you're gonna be like, I don't I don't know what this is. Now this was interesting. So these are cups, Minnie Mouse cups. We see Mickey and Minnie on this artwork, even though the license it looks like based on the logo on the top is just Disney Junior Minnie. Minnie. Have the license for Minnie, but then they were also able to have these other this other artwork with it i guess yeah. if it, maybe it's more mini centric but so this is we talked about how usually you won't get granted a license of somebody in your same space or category and this brand is called uh,
0: tommy, tommy
1: yeah. or tomai the first years yeah now but check this out right next to it another mini mouse baby cup like, right next to it. Mm. And this is a different brand. NUK, NUK, or Nuke. I don't know how you say it. Ah,
0: but this is a um, Disney this baby. This is Disney
1: baby. So, it's mini, but it's Disney baby, baby. mini.
0: And even though it's very similar on the shelf, technically Playhouse Disney or Disney Junior mini mm-hmm. and baby, baby Disney Baby, baby mini are, are different, different categories and or different um, properties. D- different
1: properties. Right. So, I thought that was really interesting
0: because just shows you how messy it can be it can
1: be and these are competitors so like these two cups are competitors on the same shelf offering the same thing yeah. so about the same that price larger
0: pool and then you get to the smaller pool of people making the sippy cups with mini now that you're in that category you know it might come down to price if one is a little bit more than the other one you need to make sure that you're differentiating
1: okay oh actually here was another one from that same brand disney princesses now this artwork is the Disney baby rendition of the princesses mm-hmm. that's why they look so different. And uh, there it is, there's the Disney baby, Disney princess mashup there for the different, it's like a combo, oh, combo of the two. All right, so here we're back on socks, and this is not for kids or babies now, these are men's socks, and these are all, I think, manufactured by Walmart. It's probably for the holiday season because probably they're... the three
0: pairs. The
1: three pair. And the, the, the logo for the license is large and in your face.
0: Because the brand doesn't matter. The this brand like doesn't matter. Brand. But
1: it, this is an example of like how you can have so many different... We have Cup Noodle Top Ramen. You have Elf. Looney Tunes. Elf um there was uh Black Panther Marvel and DC Scooby Doo and then Candies which we kind of mentioned I think in a, maybe this video mm-hmm. or was another yeah. so mm-hmm. but something else that's really interesting with this that I wanted to point out if you notice I show you the Ted Lasso socks for a second and in the Ted Lasso that is not Jason Sudeikis right that's just like an outline of a man's face with a mustache and if you fill in the blanks to interpret it as jason sudeikis that's you they didn't have to buy the likeness of jason sudeikis yeah they just have mustache man with no eyes or nose or mouth holding a teacup um or here another example in these same very socks is that with um justice league dc um it's just their emblems it's just the flash's emblem the superman emblem they don't even me- try to mess with the face. With yeah. Marvel, For there's Doctor Strange socks, but it looks like it's just the comic book version yeah. of Doctor Strange. So those are the things I saw at Walmart. Um, and, yeah, so, again, and I want to point out, like, the fact that I went to Walmart is just to look for lazy licensing is not saying anything about Walmart itself. More that I just knew that there were a lot of products to be seen there. Yeah,
0: so... Uh, without further ado, now we're off to our trip to Universal Studios. Oh, no, yeah, turn off the Lizzie McGuire soundtrack (laughs) that we were listening to for work reasons. Um, here we are uh, at Universal Studios. Get ready to be overwhelmed by the sheer amount of parking infrastructure. Ooh, concrete! Ooh! So So much infrastructure and none of it's being used. You gotta think that they built some of this knowing that Super Nintendo World, that Fast and Furious ride and some other stuff would be going in, and they would need capacity. Here is... The concept store that we were talking about that has kind of a different approach to licensing. Let's take a look. I really like this. That's cool. So this is the new concept that we were talking about. This is called Universal Universe and as you can see from the Kind of like mashed up pictures on the side there and this one it's kind of a new approach and we first saw
1: this at the licensing expo yes um we'll talk about
0: i will cut in video here so this is like the merch table they have to show off stuff from trolls three or i think it's just like a new trolls kind of idea this shape is kind of the new shape uh that we're going for There's a cool shirt. This is like an embroidered piece. There is that print. There's a bag there. This is a clear one. I'm getting like Vinylmation kind of vibes uh, a little bit from that. Let's see. We got some jerseys. Um, And then there's this big mural wall that I'll try to do a slow pan on. You can kind of start to spot the trolls. In it but there's a lot of really cool stuff on there and I like this universal universe kind of idea uh, I really like the streetwear um, kind of pattern that they're mashing up all of their IP some people like to silo where you know oh this character can interact with that character or we don't have properties mixed together unless it's under very special circumstances Universal is just kind of saying hey People consume our media um, not in silos. You know, they might watch this movie and then that show and then this other thing and then they're wearing a shirt with this other thing. And I like that they're embracing that and that's in, in presenting licensing that way because it's more indicative of how we're consuming the content. I also really like how they're embracing this streetwear. Um, kind of aesthetic with this little concept store. As we change the way that we work and what's um, kind of socially acceptable when we work from home or work remotely or work in a co-working space, um, we're able to show a lot more of our personality in what we do, and they're 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 showing up for it, and I like that. You know, this ET one specifically, like such a unique interpretation this is a very very cool booth with a lot of really cool ideas it's really the idea behind it that i love so much um oh variant what is this one what i'm just seeing this for the first time this is uh uh like a sweater with um frankenstein on it but it says well that one says frankenstein this one says a variant i like that I don't know if that's a subtle Marvel nod to Loki. I hope it is, um, or like this. This is cool, um, and I'm I'm going to assume that if they oh, look at that one, I'm going to assume that if they are okay with representing their IP like this, then representing it like this cross um, IP shows and movies, um, and and you know vintage like the vintage one with modern i uh, i think this is going to help them be a real front runner now we're back at the store what they did instead of trying to have their internal teams do merchandise or having a third party come up with merchandise they partnered with artists to develop new interpretations of the art of the ip and then universal themselves manufactured it I think it's a really interesting idea, and I've not seen too many people do it so far. There's a, an ET sweater with the design that you saw posted up on the wall there. It's an original design. It's a very unique interpretation that I don't think uh, you know, traditionally in licensing would have gotten approved. Same thing with this Jurassic Park. And then on the back, it just has some black and white images. Artwork
1: of the dinosaurs. It's so cute, I love it. It's
0: a lot of the stuff that they're doing here. A lot of the yeah, is very streetwear-oriented, is it? Yeah, here it is. Yeah, so we'll bring it up. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. So When we were talking about licensing, if you remember I brought up style guides, style guides are essentially like pre-approved artwork that companies can use. So the fact that they allowed um, stuff that would not be considered traditional, you know, minions like uh, to be put into product and they did it through the vehicle of having artists give their original interpretations of it, of the IP. Is a really cool idea, but it involves kind of wanting to take a different look at licensing. I'll bring this up again. Like, look at this beautiful image. What did you just say about Felix the Cat? They have a
1: bunch of great Felix stuff in here. We don't usually see Felix very much anymore. They're like classic cheeky little or they're person. felix
0: skirt. i really like so, that orange hoodie. cute. is, orange, really... is it orange? it's
1: like
0: an orange red. orange red. i really like I it. i like that's nice. it's jurassic park. <laughs> so much to see in
1: that. do you ever see breakfast club merch? no you don't. look at this. It's, it's, you that's all it is and it's so simple but it's like
0: this is another thing they're trying to uh do Kind of like Funko's. They're trying to do like little ducks, which I thought is very interesting. There's Back to the Future ducks. There's Jaws ducks. Night Rider. That is 19. Yeah, that is a. Uh, I think I think alternate timeline 1985. Fifth. There's Dennis Nedry. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'll have a. I'm gonna cut in a photo right now. Or a video right now from Licensing Show where I saw these and the Trolls dolls. They were trying to do something with Trolls, but I don't know if that came out yet. So in this candy right here that we were um, discussing, uh, quick little licensing note, the front of the DeLorean should have the letters DMC on the for DeLorean Motor Company, and they don't. They don't, because that would probably engage rights to whoever owns...
1: I didn't even notice that.
0: ...currently owns the DeLorean Motor Company. Well, I hope you guys liked that trip out to Universal and enjoyed the rest of this video on licensing. If there's anything that you'd like to hear more about, anything we didn't cover, or any questions you have, please leave a comment, uh, shoot us an email, let us know. I'd love for this to be a continuing dialogue until then it's business as usual. We're walking back to our car but we just happened to park up here on the roof and fun fact this little spot on the very top is on the top corner is where I first kissed Janae when we were first dating. It was right here overlooking, hold, hold, overlooking the back lot.
1: Bumpy. 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 Bumpy.
0: Bumpy.
1: Bumpy. (laughs) Bumpy. Well, it doesn't look like that ballroom burned down.